everybody to the retro blood as we continue our winter halloween two month extravaganza talking all about the friday the 13th movies up next if you like 3d if you like jason looking huge if you like the backstory of how he got his hockey mask if you like teens running around trying to get some sex Alright, and if you like uh, uh, jump scares, this is a review for you, brother, because the Retro Blood is continuing this Jason train by talking all about Friday the 13th, part three. Brother. Hey, Allison, James Conn, what's happening, Allison? What's up, man? So why do you keep saying that it's winter? It's the winter camp or whatever well i mean like okay so does september count as winter or is it still summer no it's definitely not winter it may be fall but i would fall maybe where we are september is still summer that's true but uh but yeah so this would be our fall camp if you will september and october is definitely fall okay yeah that's yeah because winter is more like the uh when it's like snowed and shit out there yeah, like when it's cold. Yeah, I'll, it's typically I'll, I'll take fall. Know. You know, Jason, okay. it seems like it seems like a guy who likes to do some killing around the fall season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean it's like literally 90 degrees today, so I would still consider that summer. <laughs> yeah, brother, we're, we're making it happen. I don't know for some reason I was like think of Halloween around like the fall. Yeah, I guess yeah, fall time sounds about right. I don't know why I said winter. Yeah. But everybody, we are starting off this. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, man. I mean, I... So this is the the legendary Jason getting his mask movie. Yeah, this is the iconic Jason we see here. So it's I think it's very interesting. And, like, of course, we'll get into it when we do the whole review of actually how he got the mask and how, like, you know, it's not... You would think it would be some huge moment where this guy was, like, lifted this mask from, like, the, the bowels of hell... And he got this mask and says he has this mask. That's why he gets all his superhuman powers. No. It's by some fat comedy guy. So. <laughs> yeah, well, they've kind of been, I mean, not intentionally, but mm-hmm. they've, if you watch all these in a row like we are, they're kind of been hinting at it for a little bit. Or him I getting a mask? Yeah, it was completely unintentional. But um, you can tell that, well, it, it seems like they are anyway, because he um, like he's looking for a better mask because he looks in the second one. Remember, he when he gets the spear with the guy's mask on it. Yeah. 
he like ta- he looks at the mask for a minute and then puts it down. And I know that's not what they intended. There's no way they could possibly have intended that. But it looks it just kind of looks in retrospect like he's kind of looking for something that that suits him. Yeah. And in, in this movie, because the sack. Are you telling me the sack wasn't doing it for him? Man, the sack thing is that shit's scary. Like that is my favorite mask of all. Like the sackcloth mask. It's scary and. Like we talked about last week, it's scary in The Town That Dreaded Sundown. It's scary in Friday the 13th Part 2. It's scary anytime anybody tries to do it. Like strangers Sam did it too. Retreat. Strangers. Uh, yeah, Strangers did it too. I mean, it's just scary. I don't know why it's scary. It just is. Yeah. Um, you know, hoods are scary, which is why, you know, people have worn them throughout history to scare people. Like, it, it's hoods are scary. And um, I really love, you know, sackcloth mask Jason the best. But he's still pretty good here. Um, he's not. He's larger, but he's not as big as he would get. Yeah, it's crazy. Like <laughs> it's like every movie, he's gonna get bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then pretty. And then he turns into a cyborg eventually. But yes. um, does he? Um, is this the first of the movies that kind of implies that there's supernatural elements to it? Um. No. Because it's really subtle in this movie. Yeah, and I may be very, reading more into it. No, no, I think there. the uh, I think the supernatural element comes in number five, if I believe so. My, if I believe so, like this one, the only like the only supernatural part is Jason's incredible skills to heal really quickly. Yeah, well, I was thinking of the wind. Remember at the near the end of the movie when the wind blows the door open. Yeah. Like that could have just been coincidence, but it's almost like it, it's like there's some force that's trying to keep her in the house. Yeah, it could have been. A, um, know, well, I mean, what is he? Storm? I mean, he's already Wolverine. Well, I mean, maybe it's just some kind of like you know, like evil force is trying to help him kill all these people. Because even like in the next next scene, um, what's his name says, um, it's like wow, this wind picked up all of a sudden. Yeah, but like that's like an omen okay. thing. You know what I mean? That's like a that's like a okay, horror movie right, thing. It's like, oh, there's wind here. That, is, that means right. there's trouble here, brother. That I was just, I was right. just surprised of how much they copied Halloween without like even knowing they're they're doing it or like even like bringing it up because there's a lot of scenes like you know like you would see like Michael Myers do that Jason was doing. So. In this movie, yeah. oh, I bet they did that on purpose. I, I bet they knew what they were doing. Yeah, but there's that. a lot of interesting like factoids about this movie, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about on who booked this which shit. We'll get to. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a very interesting movie, and the uh, the whole 3D part was uh, damn. I kind of like was like fuck, man. I wish I had a three. Don't you have a 3D TV or no? Yeah, I watched it in 3D. Actually, you did. Fuck. Yeah. How was it? Was it uh, like I, wild? I, this is. This this is the second time I've actually seen it in 3D. I saw it in the theaters in in 3D in probably 2006 or seven. Fuck, I wanted to see it in 3D um, so bad. And then I watched it on my 3D TV because my TV is so old; it's still 3D. Yeah, I know you got one of them 3D gimmicks, bro. I would have loved to have yeah. that 3D TV watching it. Well, how what? Explain to the audience how the 3D version is because so, if they're if they're like me and we're stuck in 2023, I don't necessarily have a yeah. 3D television or 3D screen on you know <laughs> right. in my back pocket here. So um, I thought we would talk a little bit about that about how 3D movies were made and why yeah they um, why the, why the, why this movie is in 3D, um, but. 
3D is a gimmick that comes and goes every few years, like every few decades, you could say. Like it was really popular in the 50s, and then it made a big comeback in the early 80s. So 82, 83, there was a bunch of uh, 3D movies. Oh, yeah. Um, And this was one of them because I remember um, in 1983, around the time that Return of the Jedi came out, um, for some reason, I can't remember why this happened, but I remember this story. Like I was going to go see Return of the Jedi with some family friends. And, um, um, we, for some reason we couldn't, we couldn't go. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, but we ended up going for some reason we couldn't make Return of the Jedi, I guess, but we ended up making another movie, which I'm trying to remember the name of. And was it, I remember was it, was it Amityville 3d? It wasn't. Um, cause there's a bunch I'll of, of fucking it, 3d horror movies, man. It's crazy. That's true. I'll think of it while I'm, while I'm, uh, um, th- I'm right. Was it a horror movie or just a regular up, movie? No, no, it was a science fiction movie. Uh, space hunter. That's what it was called. Oh, okay. Space hunter adventures in the forbidden zone. It had Molly Ringwald in it. Yeah. Um, and it was in 3d and this was the first 3d movie I ever saw. Um, and it was actually pretty mind blowing for like my little mind. Um, it was cool because it starts off, and I actually have it on Blu-ray now in 3D that I could watch. Um, I just never do. But um, it's like this, uh, it starts off with this it's space scene where these like asteroids are like floating in space. And they like I can remember in my head, like I can just see it. Like they were, it looked like they were like floating in the movie theater. It looked really cool. Um, I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah, and apparently... So I thought that was... Well, I, I thought it was a little interesting fact that apparently the first ever 3D movie, or at least 3D horror movie, was in 1953 House of Wax. House of Wax, yeah. It was crazy. Um, and most of the time, like I think it's in House of Wax where they show uh, the yo-yo trick. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I think the yo-yo gimmick where they like put the yo-yo toward the camera and it shoots out. This movie's full of that. Um, but basically, 3D movies are made... Um, where they had two optical cameras that are like shooting the same shot side by side about the same length of an average person's eyes are, are from each other. So about eye width and they shoot it. And then when it's put onto the film, it's like they, they put both of them on the film at the same time and it creates a double image that's slightly off. And then the 3d glasses bring the image back together into a three dimensional. It gives it the illusion of solidity. So, it's not just that things pop out of the screen, which is what everybody thinks that 3D is, but it makes the whole picture look three-dimensional. I don't know how to describe any other than that, yeah. but, but you can see, like, distance. So, like, in this movie, yeah, there's a lot of gimmicky shit, like the scene where the popcorn is popping out of the, um, uh, popping out of the, uh, the pot. Like, you can see it, like, pop out of the TV screen. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. And... And every single time when they point some like some stick toward the screen, it pops out of the screen. Um, but there's also depth in the picture, which is really cool. So like scenes where people are sitting on a couch, like the the coffee, like at the beginning where that woman's sitting on the couch, the coffee table looks like it's closer to you than this couch is. I mean, it's a cool effect. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's not something that I would go out of my way to experience but if it's done right it's a really cool experience just most of the time now 3d movies are just not done done right yeah um but it was a cool experience to see it in 3d and i watched it in 3d for for uh for the for the retro blood which 
I'm kind of happy about. I mean, it was kind of cool. You yeah, know, I'm I mean, like, it's this cool is the that... only 3D movie <clears throat> we've ever done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, we're gonna be doing more later on. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like you know, getting to see how it was like supposed to be made. You know. Yeah. So, but um, before we get into a little bit more detail about the movie, which we will, <clears throat> we, every retro bud, we do a little history segment. Of what is going on in the world of the pro wrestling and the metal music around the release date of the film that we are discussing. And of course, this release date was August 13th, 1982. So like we were saying on uh, last week, it's pretty cool that we're going through like the 80s almost one year at a time. Because the first Friday 13th was in 1980. We had number two mm-hmm. in 1981. And now we're here yep. in 1982. And of course, we're in a different month though, because those movies came out in May. This one's August, so yes, which is cool. But I found a cool little wrestling event that was happening. One of my favorite promotions that I've talked about here all the time: WCCW Star Wars. Awesome. It was one of their Star Wars event going on here, uh, and we've talked about the uh, Star Wars event that uh, WCCW does. It's basically like their big showcase matches, like. I, I couldn't say like it's like a WrestleMania because, you know, WrestleMania wasn't born yet. But this mm. was like a, it, it was a build up to big matches. So, but, so the way that um, Fritz von Eric did this, he did like about three Starcades a year. So it basically, like, if it was nowadays, it probably would have been like the three big, like, wrestling pay per view shows. You know, like, you know how like well WWE has more, but like you know back in the day WWE had like you know Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania. So this is would be like WCC, WCCW's version of like those three big uh, events, and he did one in March, August, and I believe they did one in um, like December. Yeah, December. It was the mm-hmm. Christmas Star Wars show, brother. So, but the one we're going to be talking about is the August one, and. I wish I could watch this one in full. Um, I don't think this is actually on the Peacock. Uh, you might have to find it on YouTube. But it is a, a pretty legendary show for the uh, the main event uh, of the, uh, the evening, which I'll get to in a second. But I want to talk about some notable matches on this card. Uh, the beginning of the card is not the, the most exciting uh, piece of business. We probably would have been uh, in front of, um, but I I'll probably start off with like match number five, you know, because we like I said okay. we have we have a lot to talk about when it comes to like the history of this movie. But sure. so uh, the first contest we're going to be talking about is going to be Bugs Me McGraw, all right, versus Gary Hart, okay, and it was not it was Gary Hart and Armand Hassan. Which is, it basically was a two-on-one handicap match at the time. So, you know, Gary Hart, basically to WCCW, he was like the, the, the Bobby Heenan of WCCW. He managed so many people. And he was very known for bringing, like, foreign talent in as well. Mm-hmm. But he was basically like the big mouthpiece of that particular territory. Um, he also did a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for them as well, too. Uh, most notably nowadays, the uh, I believe it's Court Bauer from MLW. He is known to be like one of the last like uh, uh, students of Gary Hart mm-hmm. for for like booking purposes and 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 you know 
doing his, you know, so this Court Bauer guy was studying him and actually was writing for SmackDown for a while, and he actually got a lot of his influence and ideas from Gary Hart. So that's a little backstory about the Gary Hart. Okay. But, you know, Bugsman McGraw, we talked about him every once in a while. Not bad, not bad match. Probably like one of those heated matches where you just want to see the wrestler get the manager, you know? Mm, yeah. So, exactly. So the next match we have is the Von Eric clan, which, you know, they're actually coming out with a movie of the Von Erics coming in December. It's gonna yeah, that's going to be exciting. It's going to have yeah. your boy M- MJF in it. He's playing, you know, he's playing, he's playing like the fake Von Eric. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I thought. He was, he was playing the guy that they brought in to be a Von Eric, yeah. but he wasn't actually, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't actually the, the gimmick guy. Um, and then the guy that's playing Ric Flair, um, when he's up in his Ric Flair gimmick, he looks just like Ric Flair. Oh, really? Like when I first saw a picture of that guy, I was like, "No, nah, there's yeah. no way that guy." Well, Flair. there's a guy that was in. Um, he's a famous guy. He's in that Chef show, and then he was in that. Uh, oh God, what's that show? It's like that Eastbound and Down, right? Or what's the one where? It's, oh, I don't want to screw it up, but they they have some good actors in there. Okay, that's mm-hmm. gonna be in this uh, um, Ron Eric's movie. I'm pretty excited about seeing it. Crazy story though. So we have uh, Kevin and David Von Erich. They are facing one of Allison's favorite wrestlers, the great Kabuki. Oh, and yeah. Magic Dragon. Magic Dragon. Yeah. Hmm. Who did he ever beat, brother? Well, let's find out. Um, probably nobody. So he's a, he's a, a Japanese wrestler. Okay. Right. He has a couple of different ring names. Uh, I don't want to screw them all up, but one of them is Hiro Sando. And he's a former NWA Western States Tag Champion, NWA WWC North American Tag Champion. And he's a, uh, check this one out. (laughs) He's a WCCW All-Asian Tag Champion. Whoa, he's a tag champion all of all Asia? Yeah. All of Asia. Wow. How does that work out? Well, you know, you like just you have just, to travel around all of Asia, and like Asia is a really big continent, though. You know, that's a lot of traveling. Yeah. To, well, he has a partner. Title. Well, he was the tag champion with the Great Kabuki. Yeah, right? and he's currently in Texas, so I mean, that's Texas, even yeah. further away. Yeah. So the so so apparently, <laughs> so t- tell me how this works out, Allison. Okay, so we have Kevin and David on the rig. They actually defeat the Great Kabuki mm-hmm. and the Magic Dragon. For the WCW All Asian Tag Team Champion, so the champions of all of Asia are two jacked up white dudes. Yeah, and from Texas. Is that like the Last Samurai with Tom? With uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, or that uh, what's that Samurai movie with Keanu Reeves in it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, was it Tom Hanks? Yeah, no, 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 it was uh, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. That's it's, 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 yeah, yeah, the Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, yeah. where he's a white dude, but he's a samurai. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so these guys are like it's probably um, a good match. They're the best tag team in all of Asia, but yeah. they're from Texas and they won the titles in Texas. I wonder if they even defended them in Asia. They probably did. I, I maybe maybe they went to Japan and defended them. Who yeah. Knows? So, but you know, that's a I would say it's a good good old uh, uh, tag match. They're very exciting. You know, we got two Japanese foreign heels from the Orient. All right. Then we got the good old Texas boys. So the next matchup we got is uh, King Kong Bundy. And nice. he's, he's a champion. Everybody's a fucking champion, apparently, in this federation. We talked about that before. So he is the 
He is the NWA American heavyweight champion. Okay. Not, not to be okay. not to be confused with the NWA world heavyweight champion. Yeah, he's only the heavyweight champion of America. Yeah, only America. So I mean, it he, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so if he's going to uh, Boston, you know what I mean? He is the champion of Boston. Yes, But exactly. if the NWA champion goes to Boston, he is not only the champion of Boston, but he is the champion of outside of Boston. Mm, yes. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. That's exactly how that works. Okay. So we have uh, Bundy is the champion, and he's facing mm-hmm. Harley Race. That's an interesting match, right? Is Harley Harley's not a champion at this point? No, no, okay, not, not at this point. I think he, he he he's already lost the belt to Ric Flair, the NWA belt to Ric Flair. So, so if you guys are kind of confused, you're like, wait a minute, why is uh, this Harley guy in WCCW? Like, what's going on here? I thought they're mostly in Crockett. Or at this time, mm-hmm. they probably would be in uh, mid, uh, not mid south, but uh, um, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. So you know, back in the day, brother, these these wrestlers didn't just work one territory; they worked like multiple territories. So you know, like it, you could be over in one place as a babyface, the next place you'd be as a heel. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it just it's very different at the time. Where, like, you know, nowadays, if somebody is wrestling for, like, Impact, you know, we might see them go to New Japan, all right, maybe AEW, all right, but it's, like, it's just not, it's not as prevalent as it was back then, especially with the bigger stars, you know? I mean, like, the the best way I can, uh, I can, uh, I could probably say it for, like, the newer fans out there is, it's kind of like when Cody, Cody Rhodes was not in WWE anymore, and he would go to all the territories, like, this, because he didn't really sign a contract to anybody until, obviously, AEW, but he didn't really sign a contract to anybody because he wanted to work everywhere, so that's why he could show up everywhere as a kind of a big star. Yes, although this was about the end, though. This would have been the very, very end of the territory days because most like territories are really like moving from territory to territory is really really a 1970s thing and before yeah um because starting in you know the next year in 83 and at least by 85 you know like crockett would have enough money to be able to sign most of the those of his guys to to stay there like you know like arn anderson didn't really run you know go from territory to territory yeah all the time. Um, but like, you know, Harley race probably did like every six months, he probably moved to another, another town. And I'm assuming they kept a residence somewhere. Like he owned a house wherever he lived permanently. Yeah. And then he would just go live in Dallas for three to six months and then run, you know, run his program there in a territory and then go back home or do something different. I'm, I'm guessing that's how that worked. Yeah. Or they just moved the whole family. It just depends. You know, they, you yeah, know, true. It, so, like, you know, the the wrestling business and the horror movie or movie business are very similar, you know, mm-hmm. this, which we'll talk about because I'm going to talk about that a little bit on the Who Booked This Shit um, of some, like, contract disputes and stuff. But, you know, the wrestling yeah. business is basically you go where the money is. You know, you, you, you would think, like, okay, you know, we're going to have Harley Race over here. But why isn't Harley Race is, like, you know, big-time star? Why isn't he staying in, like, you know... Crockett and stuff like no he's gonna go where the money's at you know what I mean like he's not gonna be you could be loyal to a degree but you gotta go where the money's at and where where the most promoter's gonna pay you at the time well well, yeah it also kept their stories from getting stale too so 
back then you would run a storyline, say in Memphis or whatever. But then most people didn't know in the other parts of the world wouldn't know what that story was. So maybe you'd move from Memphis to Dallas and do, you know, the same story again. Cause these people hadn't seen it yet. Yes. With, with whoever their face is or their big heel or whatever. So the match, uh, Allison, take one guess how this match ended. Double count out. Oh, close. Double disqualification, disqualification. brother. Oh, there we go. There we go. Can't, can't pin my mat, my, my, my <laughs> shoulders to the mat, brother. No, that was a good match, no neither one of those guys are getting pinned. Yeah. Two big guys going at it. So. so the main event is probably one of the, especially for the early 80s, probably one of the biggest feuds going on at the time, which was Ric Flair, your NWA World Heavyweight Champion, versus the standout from the Von Erich clan, Kerry Von Erich. So we've talked about them wrestling before, um, but you know, on this show, it was uh, they were going uh, the best two out of threes match that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, this match is pretty legendary because like it's really showing like I'm pretty sure like Ric Flair was probably Kerry Von Erich's best singles opponent throughout his whole career because most of the matches he had Ric Flair were they're all like pretty pretty stellar. And, you know, oh. the most famous one they had was that one at the Texas Outdoor Stadium where he put the backslide and he pinned Ric Flair's shoulders to the mat. And that's the one where he won the NWA title because of his uh, brother, I believe, David, you know, was the one that he passed away in Japan. So they kind of mm-hmm. gave Kerry the belt for a while. Um, and then like, afterwards, you know, you couldn't really trust the guy because if you're the NWA champion at this point in time... You couldn't really defend. You you had to you had to go town to town. You basically didn't really have like a life. You would have to go town to town, defend it at different territories. And Kerry didn't really do that. He was like not no showing certain territories. So they, that's when they were taking the belt off him. But they still kept him as a big star. So. Yeah, and I'm sure most people would probably say that. Like, yeah, you can say that Ric Flair was you know Kerry Von Erich's uh, best biggest solo match solo rivalry but most people from that era probably would say that about rick flair except the people who hated him yeah you know you hear that all the time i mean ricky steamboat you know always says that flair is the best of all time um funk says you know rick flair is one of the best people I ever wrestled rick was just really good he was really good at making other people look good so and building a really good match so with this match flair he won the first fall on a disqualification uh, after Kerry accidentally hit him with the special appointed NWA referee Alfred Neely with the discus punch. So Kerry accidentally hit the referee for a punch that was a disqualification. Okay. So Von Eric won the second fall by pinfall with the Iron Claw Brother, the famous move from his dad. And then in the third and final fall, Ric Flair and Kerry Von Eric battled to a double disqualification. So. No, there is. So we had like one pitfall for the whole show. So, like I said, they wanted to keep this uh, Kerry Von Eric hot because he was definitely the the pretty much was a star of the WCC WCC territory when it was going on. Like you had other great wrestlers go through there, but Kerry Von Eric was definitely the other uh, Von Eric's clan as well too. But Kerry Von Eric was definitely like the major major star from that territory at this particular time. 
Right, and Flair was the NWA uh-huh. World Champion at this time, right? Yes, but you know this. Yeah, but this, uh, yeah, yeah, because they were fighting the match. Yeah, so this Austin drew like uh, eighteen thousand fans as well too. So at the Reunion Reader, Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. Nice little match memory. You know, that'd be fun. Watching Friday 13th 3D. All right. Seeing all that fucking 3D magic. All right. And then going two days later to see uh, this match um, on August 15th, 1982. So, but Allison, what do you got for the medal for us? What are we listening to? I got a a couple things I wanted to talk about. So, um, one thing I want to talk about and very briefly is this wasn't out yet when we saw when when this movie was out, but um, Alice Cooper was about to release his uh, album Zipper Catches Skin, which is um, in his uh, what he calls his blackout period. So like when he was like so he came out of you know Alice Cooper was really big in the seventies with his hard rock kind of horror gore kind of kind of music disturbing kind of stuff that he was, he was doing for the time. And he kind of came out of that. And like, we've talked about before, like a lot of bands from the seventies really saw, you know, their careers kind of going away in the eighties because times were so different. So like new wave and dance music was really popular in the early eighties. So Alice during this period, um, tried to kind of go in that direction. Like he tried to go away from the hard rock and more into like a, more artsy like new wave kind of thing you started wearing suits and um and things like that and it just i don't know if it really worked i don't think it works for any alice cooper fan but you know there's probably like you know some hipsters out there or whatever that prefer the new way of alice but yeah alice was kind of um kind of in his lost period at this time releasing all these albums that we would have hated as you know, as dumbass like beer drinking metal listeners that yeah. we were, yeah, and that we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but we I bring that up because in a couple of weeks we're going to be talking about Alice again, but he's going to be uh, back. Oh, back! And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, he'll be he'll he'll be back, back and he'll action. be back the way he was. Right. Um, but um, we would also probably be on the radio driving around. We'd probably also be listening to. Um, Judas Priest, who just released the single for You Got Another Thing Coming, which came out the same day as this movie. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, the album uh, Screaming for Vengeance, which has that song on it, had come out the month before. So we probably already would have been listening to it. Yeah. But this song would have been a huge hit. It would have been all over the radio. So we'd be listening to that. And then finally, I found us a concert that we could have gone to. And I had to piece this together because I couldn't get a lot of info, info about it. But... On August 9th, 1982, if we were in Memphis, Tennessee, seeing Friday the 13th, we could have attended um, the Scorpions on their blackout tour. The Scorpions played in Memphis on the blackout tour. And their opener, which I think this is kind of remarkable, um, is they their opener was Iron Maiden who had just started the tour for Number of the Beast. So this was their first American tour with Bruce Dickinson as the singer and the first one supporting uh, the Number of the Beast. This was the Beast on the Road tour, but they were only you know doing 45-minute sets opening for the Scorpions. So that'd be kind of cool to see Iron Maiden opening for the Scorpions 
Yeah, that'd be pretty wild. I wonder if they were doing Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Were they doing three D sets as well? Three D sets. Well, technically, yes, because anything Uh, in the real world is three dimensional. There you go. So yeah, so yes, it was the whole concert was three dimensional. Yeah, we we would have a three D rush going on by now. We would. Yeah, we definitely would be. We definitely would be. So we have three different uh, metal stuff to listen to. I like it. Since mm-hmm. we're talking about Friday Thirteenth Part Three, so yeah, yeah that is pretty interesting difference. though. Like, like seeing Iron Man open for somebody, you know? <laughs> I know it's weird to think about now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where, yeah, it's strange to think about nowadays, but uh, that's pretty cool though. But um, yeah, all, all that sounds pretty fun. Of course, we'll be playing something out of that list at the end of this discussion. So let's get into who booked this shit because there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah, tell me okay. who booked this shit. So we got our boy back from from last week, Steve Miner. Okay, he yeah. was like, you know, like, he's like, you know, did last time, my first time, did, my first time doing some movies. Let's roll it back, brother. And <laughs> let's do it again. The biggest part of the this this filming was using the 3D camera. So uh, like yeah. you were like you were saying, 3D was making like a little bit of a comeback around this time, and Paramount wanted to wanted to be part of that and they thought okay well this friday the 13th you know franchise is very fan oriented you know with horror horror movies in general are very fan oriented but you know friday the 13th is too because you know obviously you're 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 waiting for all the jump scares you're waiting for all the kills and they just thought oh well shit like this will go perfect with 3d you know so we can test out the 3d cameras by doing this and you know we'll give them the budget for it and we'll just film this one in 3D because they, they think it would just be a perfect mix, which I think it was too. I mean, it's a good idea doing 3D movies and like horror movies and stuff. So yeah, and it's the third one, so it's yeah. like you know, it, yeah, it, it gets sense. it just works, right? Friday the Thirteenth Part yeah. Three in 3D. I do works. like the uh, the TV spots. They're like, come watch Friday the Thirteenth in Super 3D. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's a Super 3D. Like, where's the right? I guess so. <laughs> So the idea, of, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know the details behind Super 3D, but like it was, 3D in the early 80s was um, sold as an improvement over the 3D of the 50s. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it was different exactly, but it was, it was, it was sold as an improvement over the, over the, uh, over the 3D of the 50s. And the like you were saying, like the hardest part of making this movie was using the 3D cameras. So the reason that 3D always goes away is because filmmakers hate doing it. Yeah. Um, they hate it in the 50s. They hated it in the 80s. And they hate filming with 3D cameras now. Um, I, don't, I can't even think of a filmmaker now that's made a 3D movie that didn't say they just hated doing it. Yeah. And I'm not really sure technically why it's so hard. Um, but you do have to shoot with two cameras simultaneously. And I guess it's hard to keep all that in perfect focus the way it's supposed to be. Well, I think um, one of them is also too like the the amount of takes it takes to to get it right. Because you know they were yeah. saying on this film like they were doing so much with this 3D stuff, it would take forever to set it up, and then they would have to film one or two scenes like 40 times. And after a while, that you know they were just that a lot of the actors and stuff were just getting very frustrated about that yeah so that's yeah. why like you know this movie which when i was watching i was like you know i've seen more campy like acting 
before, but mm. I guess this film they said a lot of it got was hardened by the uh, the the, the th- making it in 3D because they didn't really care about the dialogue. They only cared about getting the 3D effects because obviously you know Paramount's you know they're the they're the they're their money, so we got to do what they want. So they got to make all the 3D stuff perfect. So they would you know doesn't really care about the dialogue or don't care about the lines. We just want to get this 3d shots, all the 3d shots we need to do. We got to get those perfect. All right. Mm, so that right, was like a yeah. big, that was like a big thing during the filming of this where a lot of the, the actors were getting frustrated, but you know, I guess, you know, they understood, but apparently like this film was the hardest Jason film to make because of all that preparation they had to do for the 3d cameras. Which is uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty rough. But uh, yeah, and yeah, but yeah, but yeah, like so with that one, they, you know, this it was just really hard to 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 get everything right perfectly because you know they they're you know because this is still like 1982 3D technology, so but it, mm. it but it you know was making it hard for everybody to kind of like you know the actors trying to you know, portray a lot of these characters. But I actually thought it was fine. Like, I mean, like I said, I've seen, like, way more campier a- actors and stuff in, in movies than this one had, so. Oh, absolutely. We've had, we've done more campy yeah. shit on the show than this. Exactly. <laughs> so we have a couple people that uh, that they wanted to have in this film, but didn't, uh, they, it, it wasn't working for them, brother. Okay? Mm-mm. So the biggest one is going to be the Ginny Fields. Which was our yeah. was our final girl from from part two that we talked about last week. So the original idea when they were conceiving of Friday the Thirteenth Part Three was to have Jenny Field return, and they were gonna have her be like a kind of like that post traumatic syndrome. Something sounds mm-hmm. like they were gonna do with Alice as well too, like kind of make her like you know have like a post traumatic you know from having all her friends die. And yeah. then she would, um, she would be like in a, uh, a mental hospital. And during this mental hospital, this is when Jason would come down and start killing people from the mental hospital. And you know they were kind of like figuring out, like they would be figuring out, like okay, why are those people missing from this hospital and stuff? So it, it sounds like the majority of this movie would have been a lot like Halloween too, where we had like Laurie Strode in the hospital. And, you know, Michael Myers would come down there and, you know, attack and stuff. So, there's two things that uh, killed this idea. Alright? Number one was Jenny didn't renew her contract. Uh, she was she was uh, pulling a Hulk Hogan and asking for more money. Yeah. Okay? And number two is they're just thinking, ah, we can't. We can't differ away too much from the Jason lore. You know, we can't just have him go to like a hospital for some reason. You know, fans have seen him already in the camp. We got to keep him in the fucking camp. So, right. So that's basically why they couldn't continue uh, that the Jenny's story because it would have made sense because they 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 in this movie what Steve Miner wanted to do was he wanted to make this kind of like a like a trilogy like a like a this is all happening at once style trilogy where right. we would have the original Friday the 13th and it would end with Alice getting killed and after two months and they come back after five years. But then number two is supposed to, it well does start off right after the events of, of, uh, of number two. 
Number mm. three would start off right off the events of number two. So, but you know, they just didn't have that link character of Ginny Fields because uh, she was asking for uh, she was asking for some uh, some uh, good change there, Allison, for some good coin. She was, and she mm. probably deserved it too because she was really mm. good in the last movie, and she was probably underpaid doing it, as most of those you know horror movie actors are. Yeah, and definitely were then, but um, I think that would have. I mean, I think this story was good enough, but I think that the story, that story, might have been better. I like the idea of Jenny, like, okay, I've, I've got, I finally got to put it into this guy. Yes, and uh, I, you know I, what I mean. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, like, it, I think the way they they did it kind of made sense. We'll get there. So, a couple cool like facts about the release of Friday the 13th Part 3. It was, apparently it was the first film at the time to remove E.T. from the number one yes. spot, brother. It beat out E.T. Alright? Finally. We're coming out there hot, brother. That's a good movie, though. E.T. It's a sad one. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's not that sad. Well, it's a little sad, but it's, yeah. it has a happy ending. Yes. Um, but yeah, so E.T. came out um, around Memorial Day of 1982. And, um, which is probably why this movie did not come out in May. Yeah. I'm guessing because, you know, they could have released it maybe in May, but they're like, Hey, this, you know, this, this Steven Spielberg guy is going to release a movie right after this. So let's just put our movie off to August, which turned out to be a good thing because, um, you know, ET played as the number one movie all summer long until August came around. Then this Friday the 13th movie came and just knocked it off the top spot. This was um, up to this point. It was the most successful one, right? This or it was way more successful than part two. Yes. So this, yeah. yeah. So actually, no. Like this one, actually, at the time before Jason versus Freddy was the mm. most successful Friday the Thirteenth movie at the box office. Was Friday the Thirteenth Part Three out of all of them? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. So pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, this one. I mean, you know, great gimmick. Great. I mean, it, it, it was very hot. You know, number one and number two made this franchise hot because, you know, we reviewed those two last movies and they're both great. Like, I mean, yeah, so far the, the Drayson train is good. Uh, this one, you it, know, yeah. actually this one wasn't that bad either. We'll get into the full thing, but I, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, but wasn't there a thing too, like during the last mo- making of the last movie and this one where they didn't want to put a lot into it because slasher movies were kind of starting to go out of style. Um, but apparently this yeah. one did really well though. Yeah. Yeah, this one's still 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 doing his thing. All right, so even with the success of the Friday thirteenth being like probably one of the biggest horror films of the year, it still did not beat out Poltergeist. So that was that took the number one spot of the number one horror movie of 1982, which we will be talking about in the future on the Retro Blood, brother. For sure, which was another Spielberg movie. Yes, kind of. He just taking over, brother, making it happen. So a couple of things be- before we get into the full review. So I just want to talk about the famous Jason mask of how it yeah. actually became into this movie and how they came up with the idea. Of the Jason mask. So it was actually. Uh, during like. The production of it. So they didn't come in. With the idea of giving him the fucking hockey mask. No yeah. I think the script just says. He's wearing a mask. Yeah just wearing a mask. So the. The point of it. 
So it, it occurred during a lighting check on set. So the, the film's 3D effects supervisor, this guy named Martin Sandoff, was a hockey fan. And he supplied okay. a Detroit Ring Red Wings goaltender, uh, goal, goaltender's mask to Miner. And Steve Manor loved the mask. But during test shots, they found it was too small. So they used uh, techniques called uh, vacuum form. Makeup effects director Doug White enlarged the mask and created new molds to work with. Because you know the, the actor who was playing Jason, um, they had to put like a like a you know mold of his like decrepit hillbilly face, which apparently they used like they did like three different like versions of that of that yeah. mold. And and that's the one they picked. And yeah, they, they well they picked the one like. Well, no, the, the the mold of his regular face. All right, then they had to mm-hmm. make it a hockey mask uh, to go on top of the of the killbilly. So they had a they had pretty much they had an original hockey mask, but then they had to like morph it around a little bit to fit his face because you know his face. All oh, right, because otherwise it wouldn't on. go on. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. go on. It was too small, so they had to like make it all different, and they put little red red parts right there to make it stand out a little bit more, like the little red parts on the cheeks. Mm, yeah. So that's pretty much how they came up with the idea, and then Steve Miner, Miner loved it. He was like, "Oh, okay, that's a great idea. Let's use it. Put it in there, brother. Book it. Put it on the booking sheet." So, so there were two face masks created for Richard Booker, who is the guy who was playing Jason, to wear underneath the hockey mask. One mask was composed apparently of eleven different. Uh, so apparently it took about like six hours to apply to to Booker's face. So a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of detail going into the uh, the hockey mask. Put it on there. It just the way he got it was a uh, always funny to me. This iconic mask. I probably got it. Yeah, which you know, according to this, like it was in a bunch of different pieces. The the hillbilly face, the deformed face, was in a bunch of different pieces. But I mean, it really didn't look that good. I mean, I think it looked a lot better in part two. Yeah. Like well, this just looks like he's wearing a rubber mask, to be honest with you. Yeah, it does. Like, so apparently like, like I said, there was three different molds of his hillbilly face. Mm-hmm. And there is one that there's a still shot of that actually looks pretty good, even though it wasn't black and white. And there was one that they used during the dream sequence that Chris has when she's getting attacked by Jason the first time. And yeah. then they end up using the the last one, which I don't think it looked as good at all for the, you know, the, the, when, when Jason actually gets on mask and he has the blood coming through his head. So, mm. you know, but, you know, obviously this is the, the start of that iconic Jason hockey mask. I'm pretty sure at the time they didn't know this is going to become part of, you know, I could pretty much see like just pop culture, you know, because anytime you see a hockey mask and a knife, you know, it's Jason. So, oh, yeah. Um, so this is the start of it here, brother. So pretty, uh, pretty interesting factoids about this uh, movie. So yeah, this was actually supposed to be the last one. Yeah, yeah. There were only going to be three of them. Yeah, they never like advertised it as such. But you know, so the ending of this movie was supposed to be how the whole story ended. Yeah, and of course, you know, we'll be talking about number four next week, and then that one is pretty interesting of how they uh, rebooted the franchise. But we'll get to that when we when we get there. But Allison, everybody, I say let's get into our full discussion of the Friday the 13th. Part 3, 3D, brother. Super 3D. Let's get into it. <laughs> let's do it. Ah, 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 
friends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part three in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday, the 13th, part three in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. on it. Okay. So we start off by a recap. Again. All right, again. And I was just thinking, like, okay, are we going to see this, like, every movie? And then I remembered, you know what? You know, like, like it, it kind of makes sense doing a recap for the three movies. Well, I guess no, yeah. mostly just two. Because yeah. the, the, the director, C. Meyer, was trying to make this a, thril- a trilogy. So, and yeah. his, his idea for this trilogy was to start right where we left off of number two. So, this... This recap, technically, I guess, wasn't really a recap, even though it was. It was to pick up right where we kind of left off. Well, yes. Plus, yeah. you also have to consider, too, it was a different time. Yeah. So even though home video existed, a lot of movies weren't out on home video, and they definitely didn't come out as quick as they did, as they do now. Yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of times, in fact, most of the time, if you saw a movie in a theater, once it was gone out of the theaters, you never saw it again. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like a lot of people, pro- you know, that didn't see Friday the 13th Part 1 and Part 2 probably went to see this because more people saw it than the other movies. So, but they, you know, it's not like you could just go home and stream Friday the 13th or buy it on Blu-ray to watch it or VHS or anything. So, like, they kind of had to recap that. Um, I also did want to mention a little bit about, so the timeline that we were following in the last movie so the last movie was five years after the first movie. So it was 1985. Yes. So now it's 1982 in real time, but it's still 1985. So we're still yes. in the future. So this Be- takes place right after the last movie. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, so this one kind of picks up right where the last one left off, but we're not changing like any dates or months. It's like literally like right at the end of the last movie. All right. So the, the biggest difference between this though is on this recap we didn't see genie's dream of her finding muffin and getting attacked by jason through the window we didn't we didn't see all that right 
which leads you to believe that it was a dream. So yeah. it's not officially a dream, right? Like in the, in the second movie, we talked about it last week, where a lot of people think it's a dream, but it's not officially a dream. Yeah. Um, but that would explain why Jason looks different in this movie than he does in part two, because that the ending of part two was a dream and never happened. Yes, exactly. Now, Possibly. Now, I'm pretty sure by this recap, we do know that mm-hmm. Jeannie went to the hospital and they said nobody else survived. So I'm pretty sure it just means that Paul ended up uh, dying. So by the by the little recap that we got here. Because remember, that was a debate if Paul survived or not. Survived or not. Because we never right, saw yeah. him got knifed down or nothing. But apparently he he did he did bite the bucket, according to the newscast. Because the only survivor they said was Jeannie. So the biggest yes. difference, too, is we could see Mike, uh, Jason. Well, he'll be Michael here in a second. We could see... Uh, <laughs> We can see Jason uh, get up and he just like leaves his shack. Okay. Yep. Still okay. injured though. Still in yeah, supposedly injured. Yeah. So, so he's not no selling everything now like he would, you know, in another movie. Bro, you know, he just it'll get to where he just he, no sold it like, like the next scene. Well, c- kind of, but he you can still tell he's injured though. It's not like. Like you know, like in another movie, he'll basically you know get blasted. He seemed with a like he was working around right fine. <laughs> this motherfucker was just fine walking around in the sheets and stuff. Like I, so. <laughs> well, okay, all right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. So the next scene, <laughs> two of my uh, I like these characters. So we have um, uh, Harold, all right, yeah, and we have the uh, the wife, um, God, what was her name? Ida, Eden, yeah, all right. And uh, our boy Harold is trying to put up. I can relate to this. Our boy Harold is trying to put up, you know, the the sheets and stuff to get him to dry outside. And this eating girl just ripping him apart. Oh, you suck! You're doing it wrong. Uh, you fucking <laughs> suck, Harold. Fucking, I should have been. I gotta do everything out there. I was like, oh fuck! I was like, I feel you, bro. I feel you, brother. These fucking women. I just want to bitch the whole time. All right, about her fucking sheets. The sheets will get done, woman. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, she could always do them herself, right? No, well, she can't, brother. She's too busy <laughs> putting curls in her fucking hair right, and bitching. All right? So Harold, he just leaves and shit, and then she's looking outside, and then we could see that now she, uh, 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 Ida, she's going out there to check on the sheets because uh, mm-hmm. Harold left, and, you know, they're not, I guess they're not drawing fast enough for her. But this is when we see she thinks she thinks Harold's out there, but then we have uh, we have Jason out there playing his best Michael Myers from nineteen eighty. Now, granted though, so didn't Halloween two that was in nineteen eighty two, right? Uh, yeah, well, I believe. It, I believe it well, okay, now I'm thinking about night. No, because Halloween is the one he did the sheets on. So yeah, they're definitely copying uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, right? I was gonna say this is definitely a direct copy of a, of a scene in Halloween one. Yes. So now we meet Harold. He's basically the, the the thing about him is he's kind to he's kind of like the like a known you know that nothing bothers him type of guy. And I guess they yeah. are they're running a store. It looks like a little grocery store, and yeah. this grocery store is right near the the camp. It's not near camp. It's it's near that camp that was located near Camp Crystal Lake. So it's basically <laughs> on the same lake. Okay. That's one thing that I find funny. I'm starting yeah. to find funny about these movies, watching them all in a row. Yeah. Is that, okay, so there's this camp, right? And then this woman who was traumatic, you know, traumatized over her son dying, murdered all these people. And then the, there was a camp next to that camp 
where her son murdered a bunch of people because he was traumatized because his mother was killed at the end of the first movie. And then now there's like all these other people that just keep coming into the scene that don't know why they're there. Yeah. Although that that's that'll change as we talk about the plot. There is one one of the people have a reason to be there, but most well, of the people are just kind of like like there's this psychotic deformed hillbilly walking around the woods killing people and these innocent people just keep going into the same area for some reason. Yeah. I just find it weird. Well, you know what I find weird is how come Harold and Ida didn't know about this Jason stuff? Because when we saw Friday the 13th Part 1 in 1980, it yeah. seemed like every fucking person in that town knew that shit, camp shit was like cursed and shit. Right. Maybe they, maybe they're new. There you go. Maybe. They're, just, they're new to town, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe they're new, but also it could be that... Well, another thing I find weird too is like I know it's the it's like the next day, right? Um, or maybe it's the same night. Maybe they haven't even found Jenny yet. No, no, um, no, 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 no. There's a new ca- newscast that they found Jenny. The they said every, okay, all the right, murders right, are right. happening and didn't didn't make Ida kind of worried. I'm just saying, okay, like her true. place is located like literally on the same block or the street has those fucking 1980 people that knew everything about the murders that happened over there. And they're just, right. and she's acting like I mean she should have heard that and be like we gotta get the fuck out of here but no she was like ah, well you would okay. think yeah you would think so the big thing is here we see Harold eating a donut she calls him fat uh, we see a cat a bunny around all right and this is basically you can kind of see that Jason's in the back stalking all of them you know t- mm. keeping a good eye on them and. So this is when uh, we get Harold taking a shit. All yeah, right. I have to say that this was the worst scene to watch in 3D. Oh, him taking a shit? Yeah, because it's because <laughs> it's like it it's three dimensional. So like it's like I don't know. It's just like an uncomfortably close image of a guy taking a shit. Yeah, and like apparently he brings out, apparently he has a hidden stash too, brother, of some whiskey. Yeah. While he's taking a well, shit. if I was married, to, oh, if I was married to this bitch, I'd have to have a hidden stash. <laughs> sure. So during this, he's taking a shit. He hears a noise, looks outside. Uh, well, he's looking around the uh, his shack, shit, or I guess outhouse shitter area. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. so I guess they don't have a bathroom. Yeah, so it's an outhouse shit house. Opens up the yeah. door and gets axed in the heart by Jason. Mm-hmm. We see Ida. She hears this noise and she lost her needle from earlier. Cause she's a, you know, we had to have the little trope of her losing her Gee, needle. I wonder where that's going to turn up yeah. at. She looks, she looks around for hell, can't find his ass, and she eventually gets needled in the throat uh, by Jason, uh-oh. and that's how we start the intro to Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, which actually has a cool, like little, like eighties, like synthet, what do you call it, synthesized song. I like this one. Yeah, it's like a it's like a disco version of the theme yeah. to the first two that, that were in the first movies. And they have, like, I thought this was really letters. cool in three. Yeah, I thought this was really cool in three D too because yeah. the uh, all the letters pop out at you. Yeah. Oh into yeah. The air. Yeah. So that was that looked really cool um, in three D. So um, something we didn't mention too that I want to bring up really quick. So it not all the theaters could actually get the three D screen. True. Okay. So when I was doing my research. Was most you know a lot of like in house theaters got it, but if you saw this shit out the drive in, 
you're not, you're 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 out of luck because they couldn't do the no, technology out there. 2D. Yeah. So apparently Paramount they spent like like over two million at the time just to make a two D version of the film, so they could release it in those other uh, those other theaters. So. Well, you would think it wouldn't be that hard. You would think they would just be able to use the footage from one of the two cameras to make another print. Although, I mean, honestly, making that many prints may have cost that much money. Yeah. Because, I mean, I remember when I worked in the uh, projection industry in the in the 90s and early 2000s, a print from for a film print for a movie was like six or $7,000. There you go. Um, like, if you ruined a print, that's what it cost. You, you got fined, you know, like $7,000, your company did. Um so, I mean, you know, making that many prints, if they wanted it to be, you know, all over the country, maybe maybe it did come, come close to that, to, you know, for production and and making that many prints. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of theaters didn't have 3D because you have to have a special screen for it. You have to have a true silver screen because you know how, like, you know, the whole um, saying of, like, you know, um, like movies being on the silver screen. So the reason that movies were on a silver screen was because they silver reflected more light and you needed a lot more light to show a 3D movie because they were darker. Yeah. But it was one of the things that Super 3D was supposed to correct. It was supposed to be brighter. Um, but anyway, that's uh, useless information for <laughs> for uh, for the day. I hey, guess. man. We but all yeah. need it, brother. Got to get them silver screens, brother. So this is when we, uh, we meet all of our kids of the movie. All right, so we meet Chris, and mm-hmm. we meet Andy and Debbie, and we have our boy Shelly. Shelly is kind of like this like nerdy trickster guy. So we're seeing that he mm-hmm. his big thing by tricking people is scaring them with like Halloween costumes. So that comes up later. So yeah, that's, so that's basically his... Ted from the last movie. Well, okay, so I was gonna ask you this: like, who who do you think was more nerdier, Ted or Shelly? Shelly really? is more nerdy. I thought that fucking think, Ted yeah, guy was so. way more nerdier. Godly, I uh-huh. want to punch him in the face. Well, he's more annoying. Shelly yeah. is more sympathetic. Yeah. Um, but I think Shelly is nerdier. Um, he was just Shelley trying to scare people like, and get some booty. Nothing wrong with that. Well, that's true. Sh- Shelly is like a cross <laughs> between Ted and the guy that was in the wheelchair in uh, Texas Chainsaw. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had some. So you uh, took those people and morphed them yeah, together. Morphed them, yeah. So they they are this scene this scene was kind of weird to me. So they're they're going to go pick up uh, uh, Vera, all right, which mm-hmm. is another girl, and they're getting Vera to be the date for Shelly. For Shelly, yeah. And we hear Vera like yelling at her parents in Spanish and stuff, and she comes out there. She says nothing's wrong. And we never, like, visit that. So, like, did the parents not want her to go to this place because of the murders or something? Like, we it wasn't really implied of why the, they were all, like, yelling at each other. And I thought it was, like, two things. So, with the Vera character, they were kind of, like, doing, like, a little, like, stereotype stuff to her. Because she's, like, a mm-hmm. Spanish character. So, they were doing, like, right. semi, like, Spanish, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh... uh tropes or something like you know spanish like uh uh, uh i can't make i can't do the word right now like you know what's it called uh, stereotypes stereotypes that's right yes yeah so they get in, they they noticed that the the van mm-hmm. I, I thought you would like to see now the van is all like smoked and shit all right so they go in there and that's when we meet two of our other crew obviously from cheech and chong 
We have yeah. Chuck and Chili. I was like, when I watched this, I was like, what? I was like, I don't remember this at all. Like these stoner people so, in this fucking movie. So like, what, are, what are you trying to say? Like, why would I particularly like this scene? Well, you know, you look like somebody who would enjoy the ganja from here and there, for here and there. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's move on. Fair. I can't argue with you there. Bro, they were, they were bonging it up, brother, <laughs> in that fucking... So, you know, I guess Cheech and Chong was big at this time, huh? Uh, yeah, Cheech and Chong was huge at the time. They were making movies, and yeah. they were really big. Uh, clearly, the guy was modeled after uh, Chong. Yeah. Cheech was the, the Spanish guy. So, yeah, he was definitely modeled after Chong. So they're driving in this van, right? To to well, they're basically what what we're doing here is we're all going. <laughs> so we don't want to really find us out later, but I'm just gonna say here. So we're going to this lake house that's on Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. <laughs> all right, brother. <laughs> so the first the movie fuck? we were in Camp Crystal Lake. Okay, we yeah. shut that shit down after the first movie. Then we were at the camp nearby Crystal Lake. Yep. Okay. Yep. Shut that one down. Now, oh, well, we can't shut down lake houses. They're just there. No, because it's it's privately yeah. owned. So, so they're I, going I like to the, the house. Uh, that one of them I like the new territory, but we're still in the same location. <laughs> like, what's next? Oh, well, I got an Airbnb, motherfucker, at the fucking uh, lake. All right, come on now. But like, yeah, because I keep thinking, like, when I watched these movies originally, like years ago, yeah. Um. You know, I always thought, well, they keep going back to the same camp, but they really don't. The yeah. only time they go to the Camp Blood is the first movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just in the same general area where this, where Jason's walking around the woods killing people. Yeah. And no one seems to know. So it should be fun, you know, because we're, we're doing this one at a time. So it should be fun to see where they end up in like four or five and shit. So that should be fun. Yeah. So this scene reminded me of Super Troopers. Even though this movie is made way before <laughs> Super Troopers, where they were driving, smoking the weed, the cops are coming. Yeah, they like eat all the fucking weed and shit. Except Super Super Troopers are way better. Like this fucking scene, they, everybody's eating shit, weed and stuff, and like not, they were like fine. The next scene, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're fine." I was like, "Fuck, bro, I ate that much weed. I'd be on cloud nine. You absolutely would have. Uh, yes, yeah. they absolutely would not have been fine. So, so the the thing is, the cops passed them. Because the yeah. cops were going to that uh, that um, that store that Harold and Eden were at, and that they were getting killed, so they're just picking up the bodies over there. And you can see a screenshot, or screen. You can see a scene of Chris uh, driving past him, looking worried, and say like, "What the hell's going on over there?" We don't read the news, brother. No. So they get to the <laughs> they get they get stopped by like this homeless guy. Okay, they all get out of the van because Chris almost ran his ass over. And the homeless guy wakes up. He thinks he's in heaven because he, see he sees all these girls. And he's like, oh, yes, I got to tell you this. He like pops out an eyeball, a human eyeball. And he says, you're all doomed. You're all doomed. So what I'm guessing here is somehow this homeless guy found the dead Ralph's eyeball. And now he channeled his spirits of warning teens about going near Crystal Lake. Did I get that right? Could be, could be. I think that they, uh, when they were making this movie, they realized they killed off Ralph and they shouldn't have. Yes, that too. They're like, oh, yeah, well, why can't they just keep Ralph around? Like, yeah. Ralph could be in all of these movies. Yeah, it could have been um, every single one. Yeah, yeah. This was kind of a gross part in um in the movie too, because like when he shows them the eyeball mm-hmm. uh, in three D, like the eyeball is just like sticking out of the camera in your face. That's kind of gross. Should we do a drinking game with all the three D shots? 
Oh, we'd be we'll be wasted we'll be by fake. the time. But I'll point them well, all out. Though. I mean, later. if we, if we have our boy Andy's stomach, we'll be fine because this motherfucker true. ate a whole bag of weed and was fine. It was fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So they get to the uh, to 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 the lake house destination, and what do you do, Allison, when you're young? You're with females, and you're going to a lake house. Well, you all get there. You don't pack up your stuff first. You just just leave your shit in the van and go skinny dipping. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Of course. So uh, we see somebody that was in the lake house already, which we're all supposed to think is Jason, but it's not. Mm-hmm. This is when we meet the character Rick, and Rick is the uh, man who's trying to get into Chris's pants the whole movie. Yes. Yes. Cause I, and then he's talking about, well, I better get some because I can't keep taking all these cold showers. Um. Yeah, so yeah. Rick, her, aren't Rick and Rick and Chris are dating, right? Yeah, well, I, or yeah. had dated. No, I think they are dating. Even though this guy okay. Rick is like acting like, yeah, I can go sleep with this other bitch, but he's like, <laughs> but I guess they are technically daring. They dating. So, so, um, Chris, this this scene comes up. So we have Shelley. He he has like a box with him with with his very important items in there. Which is basically like mm-hmm. his scare tactic items, and I'm I'm led to believe in that box was the hockey mask, but I'm not exactly sure. But basically, Chris she goes to the van, gets scared, and uh, Shelly scares her because we're showing that the Shelly guy like he scares a lot of people. That's like it's gimmick. He's like he's like tricking everybody, and they ask him. Well, she's like, well, why didn't you go with the other people? He's like, well, they all went skinny dipping, and I'm not skinny enough. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're we're seeing all these rooms now. Well, we have Chris showing Debbie, which was weird too because I swear they said like did they say like Debbie was pregnant? Yes. I mean that girl did Debbie not look pregnant. pregnant at all. She must have been brandly new pregnant or something. Yeah, probably probably brand yes. So she's uh, pregnant with Andy. They're they're like the couple out of this mm. whole trio, or more, more than trio. Uh, out of there. Well, how many people were there? What we got like four? Uh, there's well, there's no, it's five. There's at least five. Yeah, we have Andy and Debbie. We have Rick yeah. and Rick and Chris, and we got Shelly. Oh, and and Vera and Vera. Yeah, so we got yeah, six, six people, brother. What an orgy yeah. so we're about they, to be happening. Right, because that's why they invited Vera. Remember, because Shelly would have been by himself, oh, so they yeah, invited right. Vera, and uh, Vera's just not having it. Yeah. So Chris sees that the barn the barn gate closed. And she looks a little worried. Which I'm going to have to ask you like a question here. <laughs> Once we get up to the part where Chris e- explains to us, the audience, why she brought all her friends out here to a place that she's scared to death of. So, well, we'll get there. So, yeah. th- this is when, basically this scene was, was notable because this is the room that Debbie and Andy are going to be staying in. And they have a hammock. And that comes up later. So, now we're at the uh, the barn and the barn is like the you can obviously tell like so there's some shit going to be happening over at this barn and the only thing i got out of this scene was chris was saying yes my dad likes to put hay here yearly yearly around and collect all his horse uh, accessories but he never buys any horses okay like you don't need to right. explain all that to me Okay, if you guys didn't have enough money for a fucking horse, just don't even bring it up. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I got out of that. It's like that's why they're that's why they explain why there's no horse. Yeah. And then There's like they just don't have the money for a horse. Yeah. And then this fucking guy, like Rick, he's like, well, because <laughs> he's like the one like pushing up all this hay to get into the barn. He's like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. it's like, by the way, I didn't need to be here right now. You know that fucking uh, Mary Joe Conrad? Yeah, she was looking <laughs> to fuck. All right. But I came over here anyway. And she's like, and then like, oh, not the Mary Joe Conrad. I was like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> I see. I see. OK, well, I see what they're talking about with these lines. <laughs> But I was like, okay. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, you know, it's a little, little, little light flirting. You know, I can, uh, I can dig that. Okay, so now Dan, he's just basically talking about how much he's a country guy and everything. And they're just lightly flirting with each other. And then they mm-hmm. hear a scream. So they all run back inside. Um, Chris and Rick does. And they open up like this. I don't know. I don't know how they actually knew what room to go to. <laughs> From one like one little screen, but they run all the way from the barn into the exact room they needed to be, probably because it mm-hmm. was booked. It was booked that yeah. way. And they open up the door and they see Shelly with the axe in his head, and they're and like now the whole the whole crew's there, like all everybody else is there, and they're all like you know kind of worried about like what the fuck's going on over here. And then Andy's like, ah, he's probably just playing, and he is. So we're having Shelly. His he's doing those inappropriate I'm trying to scare you jokes and we actually get a reason mm-hmm. why he's doing them later depth depth brother we got some depth of his character so now Vera she's not digging this at all she's like oh I gotta go to the store Shelly tries to go to the store too which first she's like no I don't want you to come and then she's like oh just get in the car so they go off to the store and then Chris is now she is talking to Debbie and she's a little bit upset about Shelly and Rick and this is when we get the uh, the store scene. Okay. So this is the other uh, uh, the the this is the other like so Verdi she's in there the store right and this store clerk's being an mm-hmm. asshole being like yeah that's gonna be you know money I don't take food stamps I was like what the Ooh, fuck yeah I came from nowhere so now she's like hey should I need your wallet so he does the wallet scene where he throws it. And apparently, like he did, like the 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 guy who played Shelly and stuff. He said he had to do that scene like twenty or thirty times just to get it right. Yeah, to throw it at the camera. Yeah, because yeah. he was supposed to hit the camera with it. Yeah. So this is when we meet our punk gang. All right. And at first, I was like, "Whoa, fuck! Do we have like the Return of Living Dead people show up here? Like, what's going on?" So we have a our our punk street Crystal Lake Lake House gang. Yeah, which is clearly yeah. them trying to make uh, three random actors look like they're into like metal and punk like like how do you like so you know i've been to a couple lake houses before do you have like street gangs around like lake houses and shit (laughs) typically no but i'm I'm guessing that they were riding their motorcycles out to the lake for some reason yeah you know just get a hot dog or two no problem so fox get caught up in this yeah so fox is basically trying to you know be a bully being like you know Ask for this wallet nicely and everything, and you know they're like they the we had we Fox is like the main girl, and then you have Loco, which is the white dude, and then you have Abel, which is the black dude. All right, and mm-hmm. they're like kind of like holding Shelly at this time, and they're basically just bullying them and stuff. So they end up uh, leaving Shelly and Verder do. They get in the car. Shelly is like, Verda, she's all pissed off. You know, she's just like, this trip's not working out good for her. She has this asshole Shelly guy. You know what I mean? 
She's not getting the good date at all. Ain't get, get anything that she wants. She's getting all pissed off. So she makes Shelly drive. Shelly's out there. He sees Abel come out there drinking a beer. Looking at him all weird. And like... <laughs> then he's like... He backs out with the car. And he like knocks over all their motorcycles. And just pisses off our boy Abel. And then they did the scene... That was they only pretty much did the scene, they did a three D effect of him punching the fucking glass to the window, right? How that one looked. It. I mean, yeah, it look. I mean, it looked good. It, you know, he mm. punches the glass and it kind of pops out of the screen. But yeah, that was just another like uh, gimmicky three D shot. There's a bunch of them in here. Like, There's a, a ton of them. of them. So this is when he the Shelly he basically backs up onto the motorcycles again, runs them all over. He tries to run over Abel. And we could tell that Abel, is, they're going to get revenge on them somehow. And now Shelly and um, Rhea, they're kind of like getting a little closer because of that traumatic incident that happened. Yeah, because she's impressed that he ran over the biker's bikes. Yes. So this is when we get the whole yo-yo spot. All right. Oh, yes. I forgot that was in this movie, too. Yeah, yo-yo spot where Andy's doing a yo-yo on Debbie. And then we have Debbie... Freshly pregnant out there in her bathing suit. Looking good there, brother. I was like, mm. okay. And then we got uh, Chuck Other. and Chili out there, too. Yep. And we have... Oh, by the way, the car that they borrowed was our boy Rick's car. Okay? So, like, Shelly and all them, they, they get back to the house. And they're all like, what the hell happened to the car? It's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's just on the other guys. And then Rick comes by. <laughs> And then they just blow him up like, ah, oh, sorry, man. You know the you, you know the consequences and shit. And then Rick's like, Rick's like, what the so, fuck, sorry, bro? <laughs> my car. We trashed your car. We had to yeah. run over a bunch of bikers. Yeah, it was an unavoidable situation. And then this Rick guy is like, bro, I want to get out of here. First of all, I was promised puss, and now I got to take these cold showers. Then I got <laughs> these fucking idiots breaking my car. And then of course Chris eventually like you know convinces him to stay. Okay, just stay and see what happens. Well, I bet he. I bet he thought. I bet he should have hung out with that Mary Joe by now. All right, what's yeah, gonna happen? Well, to him he definitely later? does by the end of the movie. Yeah. So Jason is in the background the whole time. So we basically see that Jason is basically staying in the barn right now. So because he has new victims to uh, watch over. Well, and he's also recuperating. Yeah. Well, really, I don't see him recuperate at all. Like, what, what, what? Did he get like a medical patch on his? Did he take some icy hot? <laughs> like what? He's no, I think he's just like he's just like you know relaxing in the barns, like trying to recuperate from his. They uh, look fine to me. Or ordeal of getting macheted in the chest. So one thing too yeah. is like so far, um, all the injuries that he's has received are something that he could, in theory, survive. Yes. So let's see how long that lasts. Well, I'm well. <laughs> well, about to we'll, this one. We'll see. <laughs> So now, now Debbie and Andy they want to go for a swim. Okay, so that's their uh, the big gimmick. They're gonna go for a swim now, and now we see Loco. He showed up. He got there quick. He found the van, and they got there like super quick. Like I don't know how they knew where to go for this lake house. I didn't know they didn't even see the van. All they saw was the yellow car. So, but you know, it's booked. So that's how they got there. Mm-hmm. So they start their their trick to get back on them is they're gonna siphon gas, which I watched this scene. I was like, okay, I this scene is so obvious. Like if you watch like a shit ton of horror movies, you know exactly why this scene happened. It happened because 
somebody's going to run into the van, getting chased by the killer, and it's going to run out of gas. And guess what? That actually happens. That's what happens. Yeah. So they take the gas, and Fox, she decides, like, oh, there's a barn here. All right. It's a creepy-looking barn. I'm just going to go in there and see what happens. Okay? So, <laughs> so she's going... Just go on and tell me, like, okay, so Allison, if you were a punk, uh, a punk street gang at a lake house guy, and these stupid kids, you know, broke your motorcycle, mm-hmm. would you go with your street gang to siphon gas and then walk around a barn? No, I would be, I would be going to look for them probably, but yeah. that is kind of what they're doing. They just kind of get distracted with this barn. Yes. So Foxy, how far is the barn? Is it is it the barn really close to the house though, or how far is the barn? It's away like from the like house? like maybe like two. It's super close to the house. That's like what it, I was thinking. Yeah. So they're all walking around the same area. They just yeah. don't know each other's there yet. So Foxy's going in there, looking all around the the barn, and we all know why the barn's really here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she's walking yes. around. She goes up there, and eventually Loco is trying to get her to get out of there because they're trying to take this gas to get back at those damn kids. All right? And then it, she's, like, swinging on the rope, having all a good time. And then he, Loco realizes she's not there anymore. He walks around, and he goes up top, and he turns around, and he actually sees Fox. She got uh, pitchforked. All right? Mm. And she's kind of like so the way that she got pitchforked though was like she's like it's pretty cool that he did it like she's on like a, a board like t- like she's not just on the f- floor or nothing she's like on like a beam that's up there and mm. she's like pitchforked yeah. onto that beam I was like oh shit and then of course our boy Loco sees Jason and at this time we don't we don't see Jason's head at all we pretty much just see his hand and his body um, and then he pitchforks Loco and I'm pretty sure that was a pretty cool 3D effect Right there. And so now we have... Um, now we have our boy Abel looking for Fox and Loco. And he's he got into the barn. He's looking all the while, looking, looking around the barn. And eventually Loco's body falls right on his ass. And then Jason comes down. And they start fighting. And then Jason just like fucking beats his ass up early, easy. Like, knocks his ass out. It looks like he just fucking knocked his ass out and killed him. And I thought we got a pretty cool scene here, too, where Jason is, like, it's, like, shot in the barn through the window. And this is a scene where Andy and uh, uh, Debbie, they were thinking about going into the barn, or Andy wanted to go into the barn, but she didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And they they escaped that uh, incident from going into the barn. So now we have uh, Chris and Rick. Uh, they are talking um, about, you know, what's going on with her and why she does not like this place that much, but why she had to come down here. Okay. And they, you know, the, their relationship is a little tough right now because Rick feels that there's a lot of boundaries going on right now. Like he can't, you know, back in the day, brother, when she didn't go through this incident, she was just, you know, getting, he was getting pushed left and right. Now he has to work for it. So now, hello. Hey. Okay. Let's want to make sure I didn't lose you. So now we have uh, uh, Chuck and Chili. They're like sleeping, and then of course Chuck is like going to be waking up. So. So we have Andy 
and we have uh, we have this scene of Andy and Shelly. They're just juggling. This is all made for the 3D camera because we can see yep, all the juggling. A, yes. Yep. This is another 3D gimmick scene. Yes. And then uh, Debbie's like, "I'll stop this." Hey, Andy, don't wear those hands out. And, of course, he's like, oh, shit, that's sex. So he stops struggling. And then Shelly's like, oh, it looks like he's, like, staring at Rear's ass while she's, like, working the fire. And he's all like, hey, uh, you know, I kind of like you and stuff. And she's like, ah, well, we're just friends. She like, basically turns him down. She's like, oh, okay, well, now she's going to go outside. And, of course, we can see that there's some tension now between uh, Shelly and Vera. And then, of course, Jason's walking all the way around. So now, um, Andy and Debbie, they are now trying to figure out sex of how to do it in the ham- hammock that they had to sleep on. All right? Yeah, without falling out. Yeah. It's a very important part of the movie right here. All right? It is. So this is when we, we finally get... The, so the whole, like, up to this point, we don't really know why Chris is bringing people to some random lake house on Crystal Lake. I mean, because right. I was thinking, like, okay, did I like, miss her character from something? Was she in, like, the first one or the second one? Like, I don't remember seeing this girl at all. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? At least in the second one. So I was like, what's going on here? How are they going to tie it all together? Well, here's how they did it. They did. So, like I said, she has a lake house. That her, that I guess they have a, a house in the city, and then this lake house that they have, and there is a a, a time that Rick brought um, Chris home too late, all right, and then the parents got super mad at her for being home late, going out to this guy, blah blah blah. They got into a huge fight, and Chris like she's like, I'm gonna get him back. I'm gonna sleep out in the forest under an oak tree. Right. Okay. So hold on a second before yeah. you finish this. So that made me think of something I didn't think about before. So, okay, so you're right. They live somewhere else. They live. They have a house they live in in the city most of the time. Yeah. But they have this lake house that they go vacation at. Yeah. So does Rick live at the lake, like near the lake, and that's why they're not they're together, but not really together. Uh, I mean, it's possible um, because they were at the lake house when all this happened. So she, so Rick brings her home late, and her parents get mad. And then this was two. What they would they say two years ago? Yeah, like around yeah two so, years ago. So this was yeah. So this happens after Jason kills um, Alice. Yes, but before Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Yes. So in okay. the meantime, because his his skills weren't developed by then. No. All right. So the story was that she, you know, she slept out in that oak tree. And she started hearing some footsteps that woke her up. She thought it was her dad, but it wasn't. It was like this crazy person trying to attack her. And I don't really get this part either because it wasn't really explained. So Jason is like attacking her, right? And he is basically getting the upper hand. Like she wasn't really getting away at all. This uh, Chris character. And, you know, obviously Jason, this is like, you know, you know, Overall version, Jason, he didn't really have the, mm. the sack yet. He didn't develop that well, gimmick no. yet. But he had a, the, the crazy oh, face. Oh, you're right. Maybe he did it. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe he did it. Because I was about to say, why? I was going to ask the question, why is he not wearing the bag, yeah. the, the the bag mask in, that, in this? But maybe he didn't have it yet. Because we don't know whether he was wearing it or not when he killed Alex. 
Yes, but the weirdest part about this is, so we have established that Jason pretty much is going to, like, you know, kill anybody that he can get his hands on and gets the upper hand about it. But Anybody that's around the, yes, the lake. Yes. But then Chris was saying, like, well, fuck, like, I just, after all this happened, I blacked out. Next thing I know, I'm in my bedroom. And my parents are like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I'm bring it up again. So did yeah, because pa- she says. Yeah, go ahead. So she says that. So he wait. So she's sleeping under the oak tree, which is this scene is just so fabricated. Like you can tell that this is not a real woods. Like they built this in a studio. But anyway, so she's she's sleeping under the oak tree, and then she hears a, the a stick break behind her, and it's Jason, and he's deformed. He's not wearing a mask. And then he's trying to kill her with a knife, but she gets the knife out of his hand, and then she kind of gets away, but he catches her. And then he drags her away, and then she wakes, she blacks out, and she wakes up in her bed, and then her parents act like it never happened. Yeah. So there's a fan theory, which is not backed up in any of the movies, that because why didn't Jason kill her? Yeah. Right. That's what that's the question you would ask. So the there's a fan theory that that he raped her instead of killing her, but I don't know that this makes any sense because he's never done anything like that before in any of the other movies. Um, but you know, that was like the theory going, but like she, like the, like, but but yeah, the reason she's there is because she was traumatized by this situation where Jason attacked her, or I guess she doesn't know it's Jason, but she knows it's this deformed guy who lives in the woods that attacked her. And now she's trying to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like she's trying to deal with the trauma by facing it. Yes. And that's why she brought all of her friends there because they're going to help her face this trauma. But she does. She didn't really tell any of them about it. Exactly. The only person she told even right now was Rick. Yes. Yeah. Right. So are we led to believe that Jason brought her back to her house and put her in her bed or did her parents find her outside somewhere and never talked about it again? Why did Jason not kill everybody in the house? Like it doesn't make any, this story doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. It does. And for everything else we know about Jason, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Cause he doesn't care if you're female or male. Like he doesn't, you don't see like any kind of attraction or nothing. Like he usually when he gets no. the upper hand, like we've seen in movies, he usually when he gets the upper hand of everybody, he, uh, he kills them. So the only thing right, I could think right. of maybe is, I mean, you can't even say that you have to be on Crystal Lake grounds to be killed either, because in Friday the Predicting Part Two, they a lot of them didn't get killed on the actual Crystal Lake Camp Blood grounds. No, but they were around the lake in the general area. Yeah. Now, I did I did just think of a of a, of a possible um, head cannon answer for why this happened. So maybe so it makes sense why he killed Alice, right? Because Alice directly killed his mother. Yeah, but maybe he hadn't started killing people yet, and that's why he didn't kill her. Other than Alice, you know, we know he killed Alice. Yeah, but he had a reason for that. Well, then why so did maybe he, he? Why did he snap and just try to kill all these other people? I don't know. <laughs> Times are different, man. It's three years later now. Yeah. So. So he's now he's little, just pissed off. Little gaps here that we found, but you know what? <laughs> it was booked. So. Right, it was booked that way. It was booked to make huh. this reason for them to be there. Yes. That's why I was booked, brother. So, another thing that was booked, that is pretty much booked in every horror movie known to man, mm-hmm. is our boy Rick's car. I was like, oh, man, my car died. Oh, well, no shit. Okay, we knew that was going to happen. Give me a working mm-hmm. car. So, uh... I, I, do, I do find it... I do get personally attacked that all the cars that don't work in these movies so far are Volkswagens. <laughs> yeah. And, um... 
was the one, brother. You be careful. And I'm you always like, I'm there. always like working on mine. Like I always have these weird ass things that it won't start for some reason. So. Yeah. Just don't bring it. Yeah, I, I feel per, I feel personally attacked. Oh. Speaking of attacked, Chuck wakes up. <laughs> All right, he has to go take a shit. And have you yeah. ever smoked a big ass joint by taking a shit in the outhouse? Uh, n- no. Well, well, Chuck did. Chuck did, yeah. <laughs> and like the 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 shack, the, the toilet place starts shaking. He's like, "Oh man, this is strong shit." <laughs> <laughs> and then he knows. I was like, "Wait a minute, it's not, it's not somebody else doing that." He thinks it's just Shelly playing around. So he mm. sees uh, he sees somebody go into the barn. It's obviously Jason, but then he meets Chile, and they uh, he's basically saying like, oh, "That Shelly guy's fucking freaking me out." Between you and him, freaking we're both freaking me out. So they go back inside. So, so he wants to go back inside, but then the the girl Chili she wants to look at the barn. So they look through the barn. They basically don't see anything. You know, we're just trying to build suspense, and then they leave. But of course, Jason was in there, but he just didn't attack them at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So, so now Vera she's out there by the lake, and she gets her foot grabbed. This is the fa- this is actually a famous scene right here, guys. So Vera gets her foot grabbed, and she gets scared by Shelly. Because Shelly, Shelly is now wearing a... And tell me how this like actually like makes sense at all. So Shelly is underneath the water, okay? And he grabs her foot. And then he gets up from the water, and he's wearing a wetsuit with a spear gun, or an arrow spear gun, and a hockey mask. Yeah, well, so like, how does the combination make any sense? Yes. It doesn't. Okay. Well, it makes sense because we have to get the hockey mask on Jason somehow. But one thing, though, he has a that case that he's carrying is very small. So are we led to believe that there's like that clear mask that he was wearing, yeah, a hockey mask, a wetsuit, and a spear gun all in all inside this case? Well, yeah, man. Like you see, uh, boy Shelly, he actually has. Um, he's really got a Tetris. And, oh right, yeah. Right. So, so like he knows how to pack. Yeah, he knows how to pack really well. You know what I mean? So he packed up the gun. Yes. So Vera is not happy about Shelly scaring her. And Shelly's like, well, I'm only scaring you because I really like you. All right. And then Vera's like, well, this is some like fucking drama shit right here. So Vera's like, well, you know, I like you too, but you don't need to do that stuff to, to, to get my attention and stuff. He's like, yes, I do, because I'm a fat loser. I was like, okay, gotcha. See, so, so, so Shelly has this like self-defeating thing. Like, yes. I mean, he, you know, all he had to do to make Vera like him was like beat up the bikers, right? Yeah, exactly. He had to run over the bikers' bikes, and that was enough. But now he's like going through this whole thing. Like, why does he think that scaring her would impress? I mean, I mean, guys do this all the time, right? Yeah. But like, why does he think that scaring her? would impress her well we all have not that gonna be impressed because he's a fat loser well we all have that friend where he basically doesn't have any game so his game yeah, is yeah, either bullying yeah. the girl okay or scaring them you know what i mean yeah like it's like those dudes that you bring out like and like you know you're out it's it basically like i mean i could see this happening it's like that guy who doesn't get like any action and like his game to women is basically just trying to make fun of them and that and they mm. think that that's gonna work because it maybe worked one time you know what I mean? So that's basically yeah, what his I mean, character we, was like. Yeah, we we both do literally have that friend, and we're not going to mention him on the show in case he listens to it. But um, yeah, but we know yeah. it's you, brother. We know you're Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Basically, I'm Shelly. Yes. How are you, Shelly? 
Your hair's too <laughs> long. <laughs> you you would be more like uh, Chuck. I, I am more like Chuck. You're right. <laughs> so uh, so so now like they kind of like go their separate parts. Uh, Shelly and Vera do. Probably Sherry. Uh, Shelly dropped his wallet too. So now Shelly just mm-hmm. goes into the barn. I guess he he hears somebody in the barn. I think he I think he thinks it's Chuck and Shelly getting it on. So he wants to see what sex looks like. <laughs> because <laughs> he says like hey you guys doing something i shouldn't be seeing <laughs> and so now vera she's like looking at the wallet shelly's wallet i think she's kind of warming up to the guy a little bit you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then yeah. she drops his fucking wallet in, in the water okay and she goes to the water and i actually thought this scene was just out of nowhere but it was actually pretty cool and creepy yes so the reason i want to bring up this scene too is because so this is very iconic. So this is when we first see Jason with the hockey mask on. Yeah, okay? this is iconic. And I like this scene too because he just shows up out of nowhere. And we, we already established that, you know, that Shelly had the hockey mask on him. He brought the hockey mask and the spear gun inside the barn. But we didn't see what happened to him. He just looked in the barn asking for some, watching some sex. All right. And mm-hmm. then we cut to the scene with Vera and the water and stuff. And Jason just walks out to the to the dock just with the mask yeah. and the spear gun on. And mm-hmm. I was just like, well, fuck it. That just came out of nowhere. And I just thought, like, liked it. Cause it was like really realistic. You know, it's just like, you know, nowadays we'd have like this big, like fucking, like a fucking heap, you know, like some big moment that builds up and the, the camera would like zoom right onto the face and zoom onto the body. We hear like this, like, you know, extravagant super morph moment. This one, he just showed up. All right. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Walking down like a yeah. normal person, you know. Right, like if we did it now, it would they would they would zoom in on him all of a sudden, and it would be like a a really loud like uh, orchestral part that would scare you. Yeah, they would make you jump because the camp because the film filmmaking can't do it on its own. This is legitimately scary. Yeah, um, you know, like and and it's also this scene is also take well not taken from, but it looks like a scene from. Um, the town that dreaded sundown as well, where, you know, like he's, he, Jason's wearing like, other than a hockey mask, he's wearing like normal clothes. Yeah. You know, he looks like a normal person and he just like steps out and, and it's as scary as it would be if you were out in the middle of nowhere and you weren't expecting to see this person, some, somebody you didn't know. And then this person just kind of steps out and you don't know what their intentions yeah. are. Like it, it is legitimately scary. Speaking of the outfit that Jason was wearing at this time. So he wasn't doing the overall gimmick. He actually changed his clothes. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed it, but I, I just remember noticing it. When he actually was in uh, Killing Harold and Eden, he actually, there was a green shirt, a green long sleeve shirt hanging in the background. That's the one he grabbed. So that's how we introduced the uh, long green t-shirt uh, uh, Jason here with the uh, with the jeans on, and I actually like this character yeah. because this Jason, like you know, we we see a lot of people nowadays cosplay Jason, and I feel like the Jason they like the cosplay the most. It, we'll we'll get to that one soon. Is the the Jason mm-hmm. who emerges from underwater? Okay. Yes. But this Jason, I actually like a lot because it's so simple. You know, you got a guy in a green shirt, normal green shirt, pants. He has the deformed face, and he puts over a killer hockey mask to do it. So I actually like this uh, this particular Jason as well too. 
Yeah, because he's wearing normal clothes. He yeah. looks like a normal person, and that's why it's scary. Yeah, exactly. Because it doesn't have to be over the top to be scary. Like normal people are scary enough, you know. And and the world is a scary place. And you know, this kind of makes um makes it it's the realism of it is what makes it scary. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I also like the scene, this scene too, because she drops Shelley's wallet in the water. And then she like goes in the water to get it. And then she's like, so she thinks Jason is Shelly yeah. first. Our first um, and then, and then she's like apologizing to him and saying, Oh, I'm sorry. I dropped your wallet. I think that's a huge character turn for Vera because before the Vera of the beginning of this movie, regardless of what she did, that was shitty to Shelly. She would never have apologized to him. You know what I mean? But now she is. Yeah. So like, that's a character turn for her and for Shelly. Um, but um, does she still think he's Shelly after she sees him? Because no. there's no way. No, no, no. She was all that. like, "Hey, who are you? You know, what are you doing here?" Right. And then, and then she's like, "Hey, stop playing around." When like Jason's like just has the spear gun right in front of her face, you know, from all the way over yeah. there. She's like, "Cut it out, cut it out," and everything. And just fucking spear uh, arrows her right in the fucking eye. Yeah. So we go from mm-hmm. the most realistic scene to the most unrealistic scene. Well, so maybe... now all of a sudden Jason is really good at shooting spear guns. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, he's out there in the lake a bunch. You know, he has a couple free time. You know what I mean? I can see it. Oh, well, okay. Okay. That's a little, little aim reason, practice yeah. there, you know? Yeah. We already established that he knows how to drive a car and everything, so. That's true. So, after, the, 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 the I bet it looked pretty cool in 3D, too. That's pretty much why we did the scene. Yeah, exactly, because the spear gun goes out, and you can see it's sticking out of the camera or out of the TV, and then he shoots the spear gun, and then the whole bolt of the spear gun comes out into your face. It's really cool. Yeah. So you have Andy and Debbie. They're done getting it on. And Debbie's like, oh, that was the best one yet. Was it me, you, or the hammock? Boom, brother. I'm going to say the hammock. Yeah, it was the hammock, yeah. So Debbie <laughs> takes a shower, and yeah. this scene was all about, like, you think somebody's going to die in the shower. That's what this whole thing was about. So now right. Jason is, uh, he's breaking in, he's in, in the uh, the house now with a huge machete. And then we see Andy, he's doing that stupid handstand gimmick to yeah. be like cool, I guess. All right. Well, yeah, it's so that we can set up the scene that's about to happen. Yes. But this scene is also set up so that we can have our, 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 our nude shower scene. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, our Debbie nude shower scene. With her mm-hmm. taking the showers with her pearls on, yeah, yes, and ring. So, do you ever uh, do you have jewelry, Allison? That you take showers in? I don't really wear jewelry, but I'm I'm sure some people probably do shower with their jewelry on. Yeah, man, I mean, just maybe. Kinda, wait, yeah, I did it once or twice, but that shit rots out quick. Maybe I just don't have the right jewelry. Yeah, maybe you don't, maybe you don't have high enough in jewelry. I'm pretty sure that if you have really nice jewelry, like it won't it won't. Uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't cause problems, but I don't really know. Like I said, I don't wear jewelry. So the big gimmick with this is Andy's like, I'm gonna get you a beer, and then Debbie, he's taking forever. So Debbie's like, Where's my? You know, she doesn't want the beer anymore. So Andy's doing this whole handstand thing, and he's about to come back with the beer, I guess. And then he sees Jason, and Jason just fucking chops his ass up. Mm-hmm. All right, and then now we have Debbie. She is, you know, walking around. She can't find. Andy anywhere. She's like, ah, oh, I just don't want that beer anymore. And I thought this scene was uh, semi-funny. She uh, she goes into her the room with the hammock. 
she grabs yeah. a Fangoria magazine. Yeah, that right, was awesome. That she first turns past the page that had Tom Savini on it. The you know because mm-hmm. Tom Savini did the makeup for the original movie, and yep. then now she's looking at a an article about Godzilla. She sees some blood falls on there. It's like, what? What is this? She sees dead Andy up there, and then she gets stabbed right through the hammock, brother. So we have our underneath stab gimmick. We brought that back from the uh, the but original the, one. But this one doesn't look nearly as good, though. Like if you oh, really no. look at it, well, it's, it's quick, like you too. can see the yeah, and you can see mm. the whole instead of it like looking like this the thing that's stabbing her is coming through her body. Like you can see the whole fake chest appliance push up when they try to push the thing through it. Yeah, it, it looks awful. I mean, it looks awful compared to the first two movies. So now we have so Rick and Chris. They're just taking forever to get back to the uh, to the house because the the car mm-hmm. dropped. This is when we have Chuck and Chili. Chuck's fucking up popcorn, which I'm pretty sure they did it for 3D effect. For 3D, exactly. The the best line out of this one was Chuck's like, he's like, hey, no, Chili's like, hey, I heard some screaming. Chuck's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's probably Debbie having, you know, an orgasm or something. Hey, why don't you scream like that when we're giving, you know, when I'm getting sex from you? She's like, yeah, give me something to scream about. Oh, okay. Burn, brother. Burn. So now Chuck, he goes to the cellar. All right. So then Chili, she hears like a little noise. And this is when we actually see Shelly because we didn't see him die earlier with the uh, the hockey mask gimmick. So now we see Shelly with his throat cut. And, of course, Chili just thinks he's just joking around because this is the guy who cried wolf too many times. So now they all mm-hmm. think he's joking and shit. All right? Because that's, you know, his gimmick was doing that stuff. And this is when we see downstairs that Jason is in the cellar. And he throws Chuck into the electrical board and uh, electrify, electrifies him. And... This is when we see Chili. She actually realizes that Shelly is not faking it, brother. It's a shoot. All right. He's actually really dead. So she starts freaking around. Running around, asking for Andy and Debbie. Can't find them anywhere. She eventually gets downstairs. And this is when we get the scene of Jason stabbing her in the stomach with the fireplace murder tool. (laughs) Fireplace murder tool, yes. That's exactly what that's for. Uh, when do you ever see the fireplace stuff being used unless it's to kill somebody in 80s horror movies? Well, no, that's that's what it's for, but it's actually just to move the logs around in your fireplace so that the fire will stoke uh-huh. up again. And apparently, I was doing my research, this scene took 40 takes. <laughs> I was like, fuck, bro. <laughs> to get the 3D right, I guess. To get the 3D like right. When he's... Yeah, when he's uh, sticking the the thing out, you can see the see it come uh, out of the camera. But yeah, it took them forty takes to do that. So yeah, forty takes, but I think it was around forty. So, and then um, and then we finally get uh, uh, Rick and Chris. They finally show up. They finally back mm-hmm. at the house. This is when you get the whole like wind scene. You know, windy. They're talking about how it's windy. They also talk about how it's very quiet in there, and that's not something those those kiddos would do in there. So they go in the house. They sell something burning. It was that popcorn from earlier. Rick can't find anybody. All right. So he goes outside to look for somebody. And Chris like, well, wait, wait for me. Of course, Rick don't care about it. He's already out there already. And then we have Chris. She's like looking around for Rick. And then we have this cool scene with uh, with uh, Chris looking for Rick outside. And you can see Jason just like holding him down, like covering his mouth and just holding him. 
And then yeah. this is when we get the old squeeze your head so the eyeball can pop out for 3D effect gimmick. And this, so out of all the kills, this one to me looked the most corniest. The eyeball one? Yeah, the eyeball scene, yeah. Where he's squeezing yeah, his head I mean, and the eyeball pops out. Because it looked, I mean, yeah, cause it looked kind of like, it just looked a little corny. Is that even possible? Well, I mean, I, mean, I guess yeah. it's possible. I guess it's possible. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Jason can do it. Jason popped somebody's eyeball out. By yeah, brother. Head. Yeah, he knew exactly where to squeeze out. All right. So Chris is still there. She smells something now. Okay. And she goes up to the, uh, the, to the, to the shower that Debbie was taking her shower at. There's a bunch of running water yeah. everywhere. And she sees all these clothes and blood now. So she starts freaking out. All right. And then she's looking for Rick outside. And then eventually she's, she's uh, Chris is walking towards the barn. And then we finally see dead Loco's body hanging from a tree. And that freaks her out. So she goes back into the house. Uh, and then she's I actually like this. scene. I thought this scene was pretty cool because it kind of harpens back to the first movie. Where Chris is like back in the house and she's like freaking out and she's by a bunch of windows and Jason just fucking yeah. lunges fucking Rick's dead body through the fucking window. I was like, fuck yeah. Did he like fucking comes in the window like some crazy killer? I was like, that scene is awesome. That was a cool scene. Yeah, that scene was really cool. Yeah, so that goes back to like when uh, his mother was able to throw bodies through the window in the first Yes. Movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, we already established Wrong lady. She is. That, that Pamela Voorhees was a super strong human <laughs> and she passed down that gene to Jason. Exactly. Okay. It all makes sense. Yeah, maybe uh, technically they, they're just mutants. You know, like, they're like just X-Men. Wolverines. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have healing power and they're super strong. No problem. Makes yep. sense to me. So we see all this stuff. Now Chris is freaking out. So she's trying to get out of there, running around. She runs and hides. Uh, she eventually hides into a closet where she sees Debbie's dead body. And this thing was pretty interesting too because she took, she took the knife that Jason used on Debbie and she took it out of her to use against him. And Jason's breaking through the door with the axe. Uh, Chris eventually stabs him in the uh, hand and the leg, and then she gets away. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. We're, we're getting yeah. Some so shit see, here. this it's he's still a little bit realistic here at this point. Like you can hurt yeah. him and stop him. Exactly. So she can stab him, and then he still makes noises when something hits him. So like she stabs, and he's like, Argh! but yeah. you know, like which would stop probably in the next movie. So now she's trying to get out through the window. And she gets caught by Jason, but she eventually falls down from her jacket from the window. And she, this is, I thought this plane was clever too. She actually tricks Jason. All right. She waits at the door and Jason walks out and she smacks his ass in the head. And he just comes falling down and shit. And then she runs to the van, that van from earlier. She gets in there, mm. gets the keys. Van starts going. She basically tries to run over Jason. Jason does like this, like, dive looks like he's swim diving yeah yeah (laughs) through there and then of course like earlier like i said the punkers took away the gas so she got she she got just as far to get on the bridge then it ran out of gas brother all right and now you can see jason in the background limping like what you wouldn't see now you know later on as well too and right. I think there's a reason for that, too, that they actually kind of do explain in number five, but we'll get there. So we see Jason out there now, and he is uh, 
the, the the van basically she was trying to get away but the van's tire got stuck on the bridge and mm-hmm. Jason's punching through the window trying to choke her out and stuff and she eventually uh, gets away and she is uh she's like she's getting away from from Jason and she goes and eventually gets grows back to the barn and she starts to hide in the barn um so now Jason's inside the barn looking for her uh, he's like breaking up everything, and then like she's like on the top of the barn, and she just like falls on him. It's like, damn, this girl's fucking brave. She's just like falling on people and everything. She's like falling on Jason. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so she's like dealing with her trauma now, and she's able to attack Jason and yeah. get revenge. Although well, she doesn't know it's him yet. Yeah, she doesn't know. Yeah, so she grabs like the like a shovel and tries to and knocks him in the head with the fucking shovel. Okay. Yeah. And well, during all the, the stuff though, yeah, she knocks him in the head with the shovel, and then she puts the rope around his neck, and she fucking hangs his ass. I was like, yeah, damn, that was pretty hardcore. Like this girl, man, she she must have took some some fucking survival lessons and shit. So she goes all the way down to the barn door, opens it, sees Jason hanging there, and then Jason looks up and he's like, still alive. And this is when yeah, he actually it's... takes off his mask. As you right. can tell, that's the same guy that attacked her earlier. What were you going to say? Yeah. So I was going to say, so now we're at this point where, so are we past the point of something that could actually physically happen to you and you survive? Like, is it possible? I mean, of course it's possible, but is it, how likely is it that you could be hung like that and not die? Or at least be like completely paralyzed or something you know what i mean yeah no that 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 one might be a little um, tough right there <laughs> yeah i mean even getting in hit in the head with a shovel like i promise you if somebody hit you in the head with a shovel if it doesn't kill if it didn't kill you then you're going to be se- severely injured yeah and knocked it completely out so during this with jason basically is awake Okay, so yeah. he, he gets the, the rope off him. She, Chris finally realizes that's the same person that attacked her that yeah. two years earlier. And she's like, oh, it's you. You know, it's you. And then Jason is about to attack her. But all of a sudden, Abel shows up. Out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. Jason just cuts his fucking hand off. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then he just fucking kills this guy. Was he like hiding in the barn the whole time, or was I he guess, in the barn and conscious? And, well, maybe and he, he just, just woke up for being. Well, I, it looked like Jason when he first killed him, like just basically killed him, like was just knocking his head out. Right. But I guess he didn't knock him strong enough because he woke back up and now he's dead. Now he's dead though. Yeah. He's dead for sure now. Yeah, and this this is when we get the when Jason turns around after killing Abel for the second time. This is when we get Chris and she axed his ass in the face. Yeah. So Jason's dead now, right? There's no way yeah. you could survive getting axed in the face. Yes, there's no way. There's so, no way. So, and I'm going to talk about this here pretty soon. So apparently there was like three different endings for this movie too. Yeah. So the so basically all the films get up to the point where Chris axes Jason in the head. Okay? Okay. So I'm going to talk about two of the other endings and see which ones you know we might think works a little better so the first scene that they had which is actually i guess in the novel is after this you know chris passes out 
and she wakes up and then she realizes that all her friends have died and she kind of like goes a little insane from there okay Okay. so i guess they want a little bit more they just want a little bit more out of it so then they made another scene Mm. where she wakes up and she's in the barn and she actually sees um uh rick alive all right and she's like oh like actually alive Uh, like well no it's it's like a a dream ghostly mirage okay sure okay and then it wasn't rick it actually turns into jason then she takes Mm -hmm. the axe and chops jason's head right off okay yeah that would kind of end it yeah they didn't want that one because you know this is horror movies and we got to keep that shit and up you know and you know open right you know so that's why we got to this one this scene right here which is her going into the canoe and going out in the water like the first movie like in the the, first movie yeah. yeah and then her waking up she wakes up she sees jason from afar in the window bloody and everything with his uh hillbilly looking face on he gets mm-hmm. out tries to go g- grab her, you know try, she tries to get away where she's stuck by a bunch of logs and ducks scaring her and shit <laughs> and jason disappears and then out of nowhere mrs Forhees grabs her from the water but of course it was a dream the whole time it was just a dream yeah and we see a bunch of cops crystal lake cops i guess by the uh by the house and one cop's like, well, what about that uh, lady from the water? Cop's like, ah, don't worry about it. She's just off her rocker now. Like, probably seeing all her friends die. <laughs> I was like, damn, yeah. okay. So Which, it was just a I dream. I mean, it's really strange, yeah. right? So it, it's strange that she would deal with her trauma and, you know, and, and get this far, far enough that she would kill the person who attacked her, but now she's like, she's like lost it. Well, you know what I mean? I mean, like, I could see that. You know, she probably wasn't like, I mean, you know, I could see how she could turn insane. The one thing I'm thinking is, like, like she didn't know anything about Jason's past. So how the fuck did he know anything about the How did she know anything about the mom to dream up the mom attacking her in the lake? Exactly. And, and this is, so all of these movies, if the second movie was also a dream, then so far all of these movies have ended with a dream sequence. Yes. Or at least and, one. But yeah, yes. it doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all because she clearly didn't know who Jason was because if she did, like I mean, I find it hard to believe that she couldn't put two and two together and figure out that this might be the person who attacked her two years ago. You know, she's she seems completely oblivious to it until he takes his mask off and she's like, Oh, it's you. Yeah. Instead of thinking, you know, I wonder if this could be the person that attacked me two years ago, which is the reason I'm here. I mean, I, I mean, I can Unless see she like, just thinks it's a random person. Well, you know, in the in the heat of the moment, she could just think it's some random killer with a hockey mask right. on. And you know I mean, okay. then she's like, then I think later on when she saw that she put two to two together. Now the 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 backstory of her knowing about the mom though to even have a lady in the lake, I don't really get that. So it doesn't, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So okay. the only thing I could think about also too is like maybe it just the uh, the. Uh, just the stigma of the whole place, like the whole aura of the whole place makes you dream uh, uh, crazy dreams like that. And that's how they tied it all together. Mm-hmm. So I know it's a little, little stretch out there with the, uh, her knowing about the mom and freaking out like that too. So yeah, maybe that's part of the supernatural elements. Like it's yeah. 
like because it has a death curse, it's now like they're it just puts that into your thoughts and dreams or whatever. Yes, visions. So now after all this, you know, we get uh, Chris getting taken back to the police car. She is flipping out now. She keeps screaming because she went through all that trauma. And then mm-hmm. we drive off. We see the dead Jason laying on the floor with the axe in his head. Then we see some water, and then we end Friday the Thirteenth, Part Three, which is supposedly yep. supposed to be the end of the series. But of course, brother, if you make a lot of money, we're going to be coming back. Exactly. So the whole series is supposed to end with Jason dead on the on the floor of the barn, um, and then it kind of zooms in on Jason. I half expected him to kind of move. But uh, Jason's not dead. He is simply recuperating. But very fun review. You know, obviously we're going to be yeah. coming back here next week with Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Okay. Final chapter. The final chapter, supposedly. Okay. Supposedly. <laughs> Until we have the uh, the the new generation. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the new generation line. There is a so new, many. A new beginning. Yeah, whatever. New generation. New beginning. Started, yeah. Bro, it's the same shit. Like they use that choke for everything. The little line. Yeah, I got some uh I got some hot takes on when we get to that far, but that'll be a couple weeks from now. Yeah, so but anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. Don't forget to check out the uh the Instagram page, like us on there, yep. the Facebook page for all the shows getting posted on there. And uh check out the YouTube channel. Uh by now I probably uh uploaded the uh the retro blood shorts. Talking all about Hellraiser, Hellworld. Check that all out in there. And of course, all the little uh, snippets from each episode. Some of the fun parts from there. And of course, like us on there. Give us a review. All the feedback in the world. We always love to hear from you guys. But Allison, what are we going to be playing on getting on out of here? Man, I don't think we've ever played this band on the show before. So let's end with the Scorpions Blackout. Ooh, Scorpion's Blackout, brother, because that's what happened with Jason, supposedly, when he got an axe to the head. Apparently, his contract... He blacked out. He blacked out. His contract was up for about a year, and then he comes back around 1984 to get us again, brother. So. But anyway, Jay Elson and James Klein, we will see you all here next week on the Retro Blade. Yeah, see you guys. <laughs>